Hi, and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry, and I'm constantly eating foods too hot for my mouth. This chat is with a NASA animator. That's right, a planetary science video producer and animator at NASA, and his name is James Traley. And in our chat, we discuss how he took a U-turn from geophysics into CG animation and how NASA hired him to simplify really, 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 really complex mathematical and sciencey concept things into easy to digest animated stories. James is also a freelance animator and illustrator. You might even know him from Instagram where he has over 145,000 followers. And on top of this, he even has a super passion for teaching Blender, which he does on his YouTube channel where he has almost 20,000 subscribers and even has a Domestica course coming out in two days on October 20th. So if you're looking to learn Blender, go check out his course on Domestica or his YouTube channel. And coincidentally, this episode is actually sponsored by Domestica, who are offering a 40% off discount to anyone who signs up from now until March 31st, 2023, using the discount code AIP Domestica 40. So if you're thinking of taking James's course or any other animation or literally anything course, make sure you grab this discount. Again, that's AIP Domestica 40, and I've included a link in the description of this chat, so please check that out. And in case you haven't heard of Domestica, they've been a leader in online creative teaching since 2002, where they have over 2,000 courses taught by over 1,200 experts on a variety of topics like After Effects, Instagram brand strategy, watercolor color illustration, time management for creatives, and of course, every type of animation you can imagine, including learning Blender. So go give them a look, and if you're interested in any of their courses, just use the discount code AIPDOMESTICA40 for 40% off. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the chat. Hi, James. How are you doing? Hey, good. Thanks so much for inviting me on. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm excited to chat. You have such an interesting background. Um, so why don't we just start with that? How did you go from studying geophysics to uh creating cg videos for nasa and everything in between like where does this where does this where does this journey start for you yeah i guess we could start like all the way back at the beginning i guess i i'd always been interested in you know the kind of confluence of science and art uh and kind of trying to combine those two together in any way possible for a lot of my work and uh, I had gotten into stop motion animation a number of years ago. Uh, that was like, I guess, my first foray into video production. I used to love building like Lego sets and these kind of dramatic environments and then trying to animate them uh, and bring them to life. Uh, and then Are slowly, I guess. Old, or is this like in your adult life? This, well, I guess I do try to keep stuff going with the stop motion. But yeah, I started when I was a little kid, like, a, yeah, around like eight, nine um, started making these little things. And at the same time, I was also doing like uh, robotics tournaments as well with Lego stuff too. So like kind of constructing these robots, having them, you know, fed different commands to animate and, you know, actually do tasks. And at the same time, I was trying to animate inanimate Legos, I guess, as well. Um, and always just had love just kind of experimenting with the cameras. And uh, I, as I got a little bit older, I started doing a little bit more work with uh, like science fair projects and things like that. Um, I, always wanted to keep film and animation going. I always kind of saw it as a hobby though, I guess, as I was growing up, I never really, uh, really realized that you could do it as a full-time career. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of interesting to try to find novel ways to keep it going as long as possible. I never wanted to give it up. I never wanted to kind of sacrifice, you know, my film, my love of film for science. And 
Um, I did quite a few science for projects that were involving cameras. I, I retrofitted a camera onto the back of a, a car to kind of use it as like a backup assist camera and programmed it to be able to detect objects moving behind the camera. Uh, and then once I got to college, I was doing more so 3D animation type stuff for my research. Uh, so I did some research on uh, tropical cyclone genesis, mapping these things in 3D, kind of creating these uh, three models of them. And then I ended up discovering a career at NASA. I guess, long story short, there's a quite long arc here, but <laughs> I ended up discovering that there was a possible career where I could combine my film and science into one and do a job at NASA. And that is where I ended up um, working as a science filmmaker covering all of the planetary science missions. Uh, so I get to keep the science going. I get to work directly with the scientists, engineers, talk to them about their research, their new discoveries, their missions, and then work to kind of translate the jargon, all the crazy data, uh, into something that is not only interesting, but exciting for the general public and gets them inspired about space exploration and, you know, the work that we're doing outside of Earth and in the solar system. And beyond. Yeah. This sounds okay. This sounds fascinating. And I want to uh, dissect this story a little bit, a little bit more because we feel yeah. like we fast forwarded a lot. Um, first of all, when you say science, what like, like, what specifically do you mean science and animation? Yeah, so it's, I guess, a couple different things. So I you know, have a background in geophysics. That was what I majored in in undergrad. And for a lot of my work, it was very visual, but at the same time involved an incredible amount of data analytics. So for example, the projects I was talking about, the tropical cyclones, I was running computer simulations to try to understand how tropical cyclones form in the East Pacific. And what I discovered is that there's like this small gap in a mountain range that's there that is effectively working as like a wind tunnel to kind of funnel you know, wind through to the other side to really create some crazy spin to generate tropical cyclones. But, you know, you can kind of explain that through data, you can kind of show things, but I wanted to explain it visually, you know, to people I was presenting to and have them understand exactly what this would look like. You know, what did the wind tunnel look like? What, what does wind look like moving through this channel? How do we get vorticity? How do we get, you know, storms forming? And how do they look, you know, three-dimensionally vertically? Uh, how, how are they vertically developed? You know, where are they moving? And that's where a lot of the arts and creative side comes in and kind of trying to show the science in a visual way. But there's so much data and it's it's often very easy to kind of get lost in that. Um, yeah. So I've worked for like such a long time to try to understand the best ways to present data. And for me, that's always visual, uh, whether it be film or animation. Uh, for this specific project, it was creating 3D models and animations. Um, for other projects, uh, you know, for some of the stuff I was doing back in high school, I, I did a project involving drones, uh, studying microclimates. I attached like a little radio sound to the bottom of a drone, which usually are attached to weather balloons that you set up in the atmosphere that kind of take temperature, pressure measurements as they ascend up. But I attached one to a drone and had this camera filming it so I can kind of see where it was moving. And then I had it basically three-dimensionally trace uh, the small atmosphere above different areas, like a, you know, a turf field to see what influence that had above like a little city to kind of see what influence that had on the temperature above. Um, and all of that I mapped three-dimensionally through, you know, filming this stuff here and then kind of tracking different things. And uh, so it's always been kind of a, a visual, scientific, creative mix of things and, and trying to find ways to present the data in kind of cool new ways, I guess. Cool. Uh, so <laughs> I have so many questions. So, do, uh, so are you specifically interested in like weather science for interest for first for, for uh, instance, or like just any science period? Like, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I'm making this like pretty crazy. It's like, it's hard to unpack, I guess, so much of it because it's been such a, uh, 
a journey of just general discovery and I've just been interested in everything that kind of comes up, anything and everything cool. kind of just taking that all on. I guess now I'm, I'm interested in, you know, all kinds of science and specifically the planetary science and stuff I do for NASA. But, you know, I, I have a background more so in, in environmental science um, and kind of atmospheric physics. Um, so a lot of the projects and stuff I did in undergrad were more so involving that. A bit of uh, geophysics work with like earthquake science as well. So okay. just general earth science um, is kind of the Amazing. area I've kind of focused so, on. So you were interested in earth science. So you went to get a geophysics degree and uh, you kind of put animation on hold like as a hobby, but used it as a tool to visually storytell data to other people in an easy to understand way. So I think that's great, but also like, you know, your stuff is very beautiful and your animation is like, you know, you've, you're hitting all the techniques and everything, which takes a different type of skill because, you know, you can visually represent data and it's boring and uninteresting. So obviously you also have like a passion for like beautiful storytelling as well. Where does, how did you develop that? Was it just through the necessity of storytelling in science for science or did you also you know take courses and uh i don't know how did how did that happen yeah well it did take a lot of courses in you know arts and stuff as well throughout undergrad i think for me the biggest influence on my storytelling has been you know kind of you said like the necessity for explanation um you know earth has evolved over you know 4.6 billion years there's been so much of a story i guess throughout the history of just our planet and um, it's always interesting, like looking back at the rock record and kind of seeing how our planet has changed over time, what different environments existed and, you know, kind of how we've gone from like an ice world to like a lush rainforest and then, you know, how cities and things have developed and evolved. And I always uh, love those diagrams that you'd see at like museums and things like that, that show like kind of like the evolution of, you know, an environment over time or kind of like mixing of different ecosystems and things like that. Um, and always love kind of creating those myself as well. too, like these kind of worlds, building a world. Um, and I, I guess that's kind of been my approach to a lot of the work I do for 3D stuff now was trying to create like an amusement park or trying to create like a, you know, this ecosystem that, you know, kind of feels at times surreal, at times real, kind of at that intersection and, um, you know, just very much inspired by nature, very much inspired by just going out into the outdoors. And, and for a lot of the work I've done in undergrad and beyond has been just going out to explore places, um, you know, just kind of walking in nature going out into the, you know, the forest or taking measurements and, but just observing. I, I think whenever I'm stuck or kind of like in a rut and, you know, can't really think of something to create, even for my NASA projects too, even though they're involving things beyond earth, um, I, I find it just so helpful to just go out and just observe nature and, and look at patterns that develop and just kind of get a, a feel for color and light and texture and kind of how all of that works together to create the scene that you're seeing right. that is completely naturally created. So it's always fun yeah. to do. Can you tell me how you actually got uh, the job at NASA, you know, you just showed up and you're like, hi, I like science. Uh, I have some animation skills and they're like, perfect. You're, you're hired. Like what, what happened in between graduating with your degree and, you know, like everything between that and ending up where you are now? It was a pretty quick uh, transition actually. So near the end of uh, senior year of college uh, was around the time I was starting to look for careers. And I came across uh, this position. I'd always been interested in working for NASA as my cats are going crazy. Yeah, could, your cats are very distracting. <laughs> they're fighting in the background. <laughs> yeah, they're going nuts there. Um, yeah, no, so I, yeah, so I started to reach out to some places to apply uh, for jobs and I'd always loved NASA. And I, I think I'd always wanted to work there, I guess, as, you know, something more scientifically focused. Um, you know, that's, I guess, why I got my degree 
you know, was to do something, you know, researching maybe planetary geology, uh, maybe doing, you know, some of the computer simulation that I'd done before for environmental science. But I guess I didn't realize that this specific career existed until I just literally came across it on the job board. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is literally the perfect combination of everything that I, I love in life, which is, you know, arts and science and having a career where I literally blend both of those and keep both of those going. So I, I reached out to apply and um, ended up getting the position and started probably like three weeks after I graduated college. It was Wait, a pretty what? quick turnaround. Um, it, so so you had to put together like a portfolio and like showcase your like animation skills and storytelling and, and, and they're just like, great, this guy's this perfect hired. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. If, if you're kind of like new to the industry, I think it's very helpful to have a portfolio ready to go whenever you're looking to apply to stuff. So over the, you know, four years of college, I'd been kind of adding stuff to my portfolio, creating animations on the side. There's some stuff I did for coursework, uh, some internships and different things where I was, you know, creating stuff and just on my own, just trying to grow my skills and really find a way to just organize that in one place. So I had a, a resume and, and a nice portfolio ready to go uh, that I submitted off that definitely helped uh, immensely cool. get the position. How long have you been in NASA now? Uh, just over three years. Oh, okay. But you also like, you don't just do NASA, like the amount of work you're doing seems crazy to me. You're working full-time in NASA. You have a rep, you're doing like uh, concert visuals and uh, like NFTs at some point too. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what, what, like what is compelling you? And, and you're also, you know, you have the, um, your YouTube channel where you're creating tutorials on how to use all these programs like Unreal Engine and et cetera, et cetera. What is compelling you to do all of these things? I think for me, it's just a, a love of learning. Um, I, I think I myself am trying to learn new things and, you know, just sharing that process and that, you know, personal growth with my audience. Uh, you know, the YouTube tutorials have been a great way for me to kind of just give back to a lot of people who have helped me learn new things about the software and, and kind of get creative. Um, I, I just... I, I always see new developments in the software. I, I mean, Blender specifically is one I use a lot and have a lot of tutorials for. That one is just almost every month, it seems, releasing a new update. So it's it's hard to keep up with just how fast the, you know, the landscape is evolving for these different 3D softwares and animation techniques and stuff. And so I'm just trying to keep up with that. And and as part of the journey, it's it's a lot of new learning, a lot of new techniques and things. And so it's, it's kind of fun to just experiment and just just learn right but you're also like you're also posting a tiktok and instagram and you have tons of followers etc cetera, etc cetera. like you know is there like <laughs> is there like an overall goal that you're trying to reach with you know your arts and like putting stuff out there like yeah i think i i guess i didn't expect the kind of growth i ended up getting it, you know kind of during the pandemic is when i saw everything kind of skyrocket because that was the first time I was really able to dedicate myself to creating 3D artwork and really posting consistently. Yeah. And I think I've just been kind of following the growth, just seeing where it takes me. And um, I, I guess I don't have a specific like end goal in mind. I, I do want to continue to kind of create artwork and kind of just keep that going. And just seeing the reaction I've gotten from people who are inspired to create themselves and who also just find, I guess, nostalgia and relaxation from the work I put out. Um, you know, as they're scrolling through their feeds, even if it's just like, you know, a couple seconds, they're looking at a piece of mine and just kind of taking a pause, kind of recognizing where they are in that moment uh, and just relaxing. I think that's for me is, is something that keeps me motivated, keeps me going, you know, yeah. just kind of continue to so, create. So you've done concert visuals. How did like, yeah. uh, for instance, I'm wondering if you can talk about that and how you ended up getting that connection. Was it from posting through like Instagram, for instance, and somebody reached out to you? Yeah, that's actually where a lot of us come from is from like kind of social media uh, different things. So I, one of the ones I got was actually through Reddit. I posted uh, one of my renders on, I think one of the subreddits, like imaginary landscapes or yeah, yeah, yeah. one of those types of things or r slash art. 
And I had a musician reach out to me uh, and he's like, hey, this is, you know, really cool stuff. It kind of goes really well with the music I'm putting out. Um, and it's interesting because I feel like I myself am often very inspired by music when I'm creating too. Like I'll listen to songs actually before I even start editing videos for NASA. Often I'll start with a music bed uh, that kind of gives mm. me like kind of the feel, the, the look and feel for uh, what I'm eventually going to put out. So yeah, so this artist had reached out to me um, and sent me like a lot of his music to listen to, to be inspired by uh, for creating my different renders. And yeah, it was a really fun process. I ended up getting to see the, the concert visuals uh, for his live in person here in DC where I live uh, oh, when he came to town. So it, it's, it's cool to kind of see, you know, the full evolution from it being on your computer, kind of slaving over it for, you know, quite a while to you know, do, do different changes and then ultimately see it, you know, live. It's, it's a really cool experience. Yeah, amazing. And, and you also have a rep, I think. I do, yeah. How did that yeah, work with? Yeah, that was um, just, I, I'd seen... Uh, a lot of the work put out by the talent under their roster. It's called H plus creative uh, Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah. And I'd seen like a lot of the stuff that their team was putting out. And I was like, man, I really would love to, you know, work with these people and get involved with, you know, some of the stuff they're doing. Uh, so I had uh, submitted some of my work to them uh, and it took a little bit. Um, I feel like I, I needed to kind of get my skills up to a higher level in order to, to join the team. Uh, but they, they brought me in and it's, it's been great. Uh, it's, it's kind of a good way to just, get additional, you know, client work to do and just have, you know, an agent just kind of guiding me through the process of growing in, in this industry is definitely very, very helpful. So how has that changed, you know, before you had a rep versus after you had a rep, you're actively looking for like side gigs, I guess it's, it seems. So like, how did that yeah. change uh, your side gig career, I guess? Yeah, it's, it's definitely made it a lot easier because I don't have to as actively be reaching out to things. It's, it's kind of like stuff coming to find me instead. And yeah. people will reach out to my agent to do projects with me um, before. I mean, this is kind of just how it goes, I guess, really for any career. You really just have to just dedicate yourself to the, to the grind and just really learn and really focus. And, and I guess before I had an agent, I was really actively reaching out to people, just doing a lot of work for free, honestly, too, just, just to oh. get you know, my skills up and, and, you know, what do you mean work for free? Out. Like you'll reach out to a brand and be like, Hey, uh, my name is like James and I do 3d environments and, and things like that. Like, do you want something? And they'll be like, yeah. Yeah. A lot of times it was actually with musicians. I feel like too. Mm. So I would often reach out and say, Hey, do you need album artwork for this? Or every musician like is going to say yes. Indeed. Oh musician. yeah, of course. You know, it, they themselves are going through the same struggle of, you know, trying to get their stuff out there. So yeah, a lot of times it's just collaborations like that and just working with other artists or, you know, other people in the 3D space too. Um, I would reach out and be like, hey, do you want to just like work on a piece together? It wasn't for like any kind of commercial purpose, but just for but, collaboration. So you um, were just doing it with the purpose of, you know, upping your skill a little bit and putting yourself out there. Like there's no intention other than like, now I have more stuff to post on social media. Now I'm learning a new program and now I have like deadlines and stuff. Yeah, it, I think it was just to kind of build that skill uh, skill set just because it was such a new thing to me. I, I didn't have a background in 3D previously. Yeah. I really just needed to have some kind of credibility to my name in order to, you know, apply myself to like a bigger, you know, big leagues, I guess. Of course. So, so my other question is like, if you're working full time for NASA, then wh why are you pursuing uh, like the side gig as well? I think it's just to kind of continue to learn because a lot of the stuff I do in my side gig, I can then apply to the work I do for NASA. Like actually when I started at NASA, I was brought in as just a video producer. Gotcha. Uh, so just doing a lot of editing and, and filming and stuff like that. And uh, I did a lot of stuff with the side just to learn Blender, to learn Cinema 4D and After Effects and um, in my a lot of my side gigs. And I, I brought it back to my team at NASA. I was like, hey, like I have the skill set 
you know, I'd like to use this for some of our video projects if possible. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. Like have at it. So I started to actually create animations for NASA and now I'm kind of like a hybrid producer animator. Um, Amazing. And I've, the continuation of like doing these YouTube tutorials and stuff is kind of, you know, made it a little bit easier for me to kind of continue to explain things on camera, you know, being in front of the camera instead of like hidden behind where I usually am. Um, and so I'm able to actually host a lot of stuff for NASA too, because I've kind of proven that skill set as well. So I, I'll host like Instagram lives or I'll be like on TV. I was recently doing like a, a live stream for the lunar eclipse a couple months ago on TV. So it, it's just kind of a way for me to just to continue to grow my skill set beyond the confines of my nine to five and then apply that back to my nine to five and just my personal growth as an artist. Totally. That's amazing. I'm wondering, you know, that takes a lot of energy to do a full-time job and then collaborations and like it, tutorials, et cetera, et cetera. W like, where are you finding this, this like fire to do all these things personally? I think it's because I, I don't really see this as a job in a way. It's kind of like a passion of mine. I feel like I've really lucked out in that I found a, a career that is something I love doing. So it yeah. never really feels like work for any of the stuff I do. So you know, once I, I'm done with my job, which literally feels like playtime because I get to create videos and animations all day and work with the science, I kind of go into more playtime, which is, you know, continuing to create these 3D animations for client work and, you know, musicians and things like that, all while I'm learning. So it's, I guess that's, for me, it's what's exciting. Whenever I, like I said, whenever I do hit a, hit a creative block, it's, it's nice to just go back out into nature, go for runs or walks and just kind of explore and get inspired again. And um, it, so it never really feels like work. It's kind of this cycle of just, you know, um, just having fun, uh, just enjoying yeah, the process. Amazing. Keep that, keep that feeling going. Your cat is trying like a banana in the background. <laughs> oh yeah, that's uh, that's her favorite toy. It's like this little hilarious banana thing. <laughs> yeah, she's like she's able to like use it like a tech deck, almost like this like skateboard things. Like, yeah, it's like, flips yeah. and stuff. It's hilarious. Yeah, also, you know, not too distracting. <laughs> you so also you teach on YouTube, but you also have a Domestica course. Uh, I do coming out as well, right? So maybe you yeah. Can, how did you get involved with Domestica? Because like you know, three years into your career, uh, you already have an agent you're working full-time for nasa doing video stuff you've got tons of followers on social media like that's all super impressive and and like did domestica reach out to you did, was it a uh different scenario where like you were reaching out to them saying i want to create a course like how did that happen yeah so they, they'd reached out to me i think they'd seen a lot of my youtube videos before uh for the blender community and i you know went up there a couple months back uh, to their new york city office to film a tutorial series for Blender, which is, if you're not familiar, if you're watching this or listening to this, it's a open source free software. So there's such a low barrier to entry. You just literally have to download it. And you, it's it's very complicated at first. I mean, if you're coming from something else, like I was coming from Photoshop to it originally, it yeah, is right. a huge leap because now you have the extra dimension, literally. There's a third dimension to all the work you're doing, um, which is at times very daunting, but also very exciting and very thrilling. Um, so. For this Domestico course, I tried to kind of peel back the difficulties of it and, you know, walk you through the creation of your first environment scene. And a lot of the stuff that you'd see on my Instagram, um, that's something that you could create after you walk through this course. It was just kind of an opportunity to present my workflow, talk through a lot of the stuff that I, you know, I, I kind of source for inspiration, how I design things, how I map things out. And then also how to present your work too and, and start to get feedback and, and kind of grow as an artist. Uh, nice. through the so, if, so if I take your course, essentially I can go from zero, uh, like not knowing anything to like creating a pretty cool environment with that's like fully rendered and lighted and everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I start with the basics and just kind of walking you through how to navigate around the viewport, you know, figuring your, your way out of um, adding different objects in, kind of manipulating them, adding in lighting, all the basics. 
Uh, and then I start to get a little bit more complex, kind of bring in a little bit more modeling techniques that are a little bit more advanced, maybe texturing yeah. workflow and stuff that's a little bit complex. But I'm there the entire time to kind of walk you through and kind of teach you the ways of, of Blender. So it's a lot sounds of like this is just lining up again with like your passion for kind of storytelling and explaining kind of sciencey things to people using animation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So like, what what is it that you're you know like what is it that you want to achieve at the end of the day? Like, if you had ultimate resources and time and and et cetera, like, what is that thing that you're pursuing? I think for me, it's just trying to get as many people as possible involved in the creation of art. I think, mm. I, I, I guess I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know that my career existed. And, you know, for both the work I do for NASA and my freelance stuff, I, I kind of want to get more people, the resources possible to, you know, start learning and start creating. Uh, and uh, what's so great about Blender specifically is that it's free. It's so easy to access it. Um, you know, creating, you know, a course like this for Domestica or, or a lot of the work I do for Instagram and beyond, it's kind of a way to inspire people and show them what's possible, show them that there is this software that you can use. You know, if you're interested in kind of creating these dreamscapes or you have, you know, kind of crazy uh, daydreams and stuff like that, that you want to create in, in reality here, this is a way to do it. And just kind of exposing people to that software, to that artwork, um, I think is really awesome. And I, I kind of want to continue to serve as a source of inspiration to people who are trying to get involved in artwork who, don't necessarily know a way to get involved. And this is like a really awesome approach. And um, yeah, I think just kind of keeping that up. Gotcha. I'm wondering, you know, like, like you have uh, like a crazy amount of followers on like Instagram, like 150,000 or something like that. There are other people also creating tons and tons of artwork through like Blender and 3D Studio Max and whatnot in environments. You know, what is, why do you think your stuff has been so well received by the kind of algorithms and uh, just like people enjoying it, especially like on YouTube, you have like 19,000 subscribers as well, like with your with your tutorials and things. Like why, why do you think your artwork has been successful in these terms? I think I've tapped into like a certain feeling of nostalgia for a lot of viewers. Mm. Um, so like a lot of my work uh, for me is inspired by, you know, memories of being a child as well too. And uh, a lot of my work is inspired by this beach I used to go to growing up as a, as a kid. And I think, it kind of exists at the boundary of the real and the surreal, like I said. And yeah. so it feels like a place that is familiar to you, maybe in like a dream that you saw this place once, but it still is kind of tangible. Like you'll have, you know, familiar elements like, you know, walls or, or windows or archways. And, um, you know, in those spaces that are at times very familiar is a lot of kind of exotic elements too. So you have like palm trees and, and you know, all these plants where they necessarily, not necessarily would be like in, in, in the inside of like a cathedral, for example, there's like a big palm tree in, in my renders or there's like waves and rivers and stuff carving pathways through. And so I think that is kind of what has really stuck out, I guess, when you're talking about the algorithm or stuff like that um, to viewers is it's that unique aspect of it. It's, it's unexpected. When you come across it, it's like, wow, this is, this looks like someone's living room, but there's, you know, a massive pool in the middle of it. So it's kind of having that um, subversion of like, you're, you're expecting one thing, but it's actually, you know, a completely different experience. And I think beyond that, also tying all of my worlds together into this kind of one dream space, dream park, if you will, like kind of everything is connected together. Uh, there's just kind of this, you know, flow between the spaces. And I've, I've kind of, I guess, slowly been creating like an amusement park in a way, like everything is kind of connected in the same environment. Uh, and a lot of my, my viewers will say, hey, like, 
um, you know, what if this lazy river that is here is actually connected to this other piece you put out? And what if it's all just part of the same experience? And I say, yeah, that's awesome. That's definitely, you know, the, the look I'm going for. And now I'm learning Unreal Engine to kind of make it possible to see in VR too, if you can kind of like explore and walk around these spaces. So um, I think that's kind of what's made my stuff really stick out is just, um, you know, the, the unexpected aspect of it, I guess. So you're not specifically playing to like the algorithm or anything like that you're just kind of creating um what you enjoy i guess yeah i think the more i think about numbers the worse i do you know just also in terms of mental health too i think it's so easy to get caught up in like you know just a chase of you know a numbers game and i i talked to a lot of my friends who are also in the industry as well too and that's something that we all really struggle with is you know the algorithm for all these platforms changes on a daily basis and what works and what doesn't work you know in quotes um, you know, changes on a daily basis. But I think the one constant in all of it is your growth as an artist and your work that you're putting out. So I feel like the more I just focus on, you know, just developing my own artwork and learning, uh, the better I just do in general. Um, gotcha. So, so you're I not like kind of this, this like fluffy bedroom with clouds in it got like more likes than usual. I'm going to focus more on like this type of art. You're just like, you know, what? Uh, a, a cathedral with a palm tree would be cool. I'm going to post that type of thing. Yeah, I just I feel like I've just been experimenting a lot with different things. And I I for a while was struggling to find my style, I guess. Mm. So I guess now that I've kind of have like a central look and feel to my work, it's just a certain polish that I have at the end for the editing post-production. I've kind of stuck to my guns on that. And I've just been, you know, kind of creating works varying around that general central theme of having nature involved in, in it and in these kind of interior spaces. So yeah, it's kind of just playing with that and just kind of seeing where it goes and you're not necessarily focusing as much on the numbers game. Nice. Nice. I'm wondering, you know, what's next for you? You're, you are working on so many things right now, (laughs) which I think is crazy, but it sounds like you're enjoying all of it, which is amazing. Are you ever, are you ever worried about burning out maybe? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very easy to, I feel like get burnout. out. I, I feel like, um, when I'm not doing something, I feel like I'm often stressed out. It's like, it's kind of like a weird experience. Like I think, um, I, I feel I'm like I'm kind of like, if I'm not constant, my brain isn't constantly producing stuff. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's like, it feels like I'm punching at air. It's like, there's nothing there. Um, so I feel like I always need to be learning something new or always trying something out. And, um, yeah, I guess what's next for me. I mean, I'm continuing a lot of the work I'm doing for NASA, just trying to learn new things and continue to move on. We've got like a lot of really crazy missions coming up, uh, in the next couple months, really. I mean, just this past week, we impacted an asteroid, yeah. uh, the double asteroid redirect test, which is a mission I work with actually. Um, and so well, tell me, just, tell me about that. Tell me about, that's the dart you're talking about, right? It is. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about, you know, what is your involvement in that project look like from start to finish? Yeah, so for something like that, or, or one I was really involved with that was very technical and, and kind of how we presented the stuff was a mission called OSIRIS-REx that I'm working very closely with now, which uh, just a, about a year and a half ago, collected a sample from an asteroid, asteroid Bennu, and as we speak is hurtling back here to Earth with said sample to deliver that to us to analyze. Um, so I get involved pretty early on in the process and we'll you know work directly with the scientists and engineers to try to explain their mission concepts. So they'll give us like their CAD models and we'll kind of work to, you know, repurpose those and kind of create animations to explain the process of how these things work. So how we collect a sample, how we store it and how the spacecraft will move and operate. Um, But then also we work to explain the results too. So there've been a lot of unexpected results for the mission. They actually had to fully autonomously steer the spacecraft to collect a sample. Like it was too big a light speed delay to get the signal back from the spacecraft that they couldn't like pilot it. 
So I, I kind of made this like Tron style animation to explain uh, the software that they use, which is called natural feature tracking. Uh, and I had a lot of fun creating this thing in Blender where I brought in real data actually from the spacecraft that had mapped this asteroid. So brought in like this crazy high resolution down to like two centimeter per pixel resolution uh, data of this asteroid into Blender and then had, you know, kind of overlaid some of the data and, and, and stuff that we got back from our scientists to explain how the spacecraft is going to then steer itself to collect the sample. Um, so I do like a lot of stuff like that where we're working to explain the results. And, and then, then oh, as a host, oh yeah, sorry. Well, who's who's watching this? Is it just for the general public or like news stations or uh, yeah. investors or? So, I mean, so a big part of the work we do for NASA is that it is open source. It's open to the public. It is, you know, designed for public engagement to get, you know, just the average viewer inspired about the science. And we release everything Creative Commons. So uh, we encourage educators to download the content that we release, to use it mm -hmm. in their classrooms for teaching. Um, and we release like all of our models and a lot of our data and stuff too, so that, you know, the average, you know, scientists can just look at it and just try to learn some stuff from their own and just get inspired. So yeah, everything we release publicly. And so I design all of my videos to work as, you know, tools for education, uh, tools for learning. And um, a lot of the stuff does get picked up by news outlets as well. So, you know, we'll see stuff getting shared out by different, you know, broadcast companies and journals and things like that too, which is always kind of cool to see. Nice. What is the number one thing when you're storytelling to like simplify really complex uh, science-y jargon into something that's digestible for the average person to to understand like because because yeah. that's like a whole other kind of skill yeah absolutely i think it definitely helps that i have a science background to first of all like understand a lot of the jargon in the first place because a lot of the people we work with it's it's the scientists are maybe talking to like the same five people who specialize in this super niche you know topic of you know planetary geology or something like that um so it's, it's kind of i think hard for them often to um, you know, explain in layman's terms, uh, but still keep it exciting what they're doing to the public. And that's often where we'll step in and work as translators in a way. And, you know, the number one question I always ask is like, why does this matter? Like, what, what is your result advancing? Like, why are we doing this mission in the first place? And I think that often gets the scientists like, you know, kind of stripping back to the basics of like, why did I write this mission proposal in the first place? Like, why did I send a spacecraft hurtling into an asteroid to smash into it? What, what is the purpose of doing that? And, um, you know, it gets them kind of almost philosophically, like thinking about how it, you know, helps humanity, you know, in, in the case of DART, it's, you know, maybe planetary protection, you know, keeping us safe from hazards of asteroids, you know, hurtling towards us. And, you know, for OSIRIS-REx uh, with Bennu, it's, you know, understanding maybe how humans got here on, on Earth and how our solar system evolved by looking at pristine samples of our solar system from this asteroid. So, you know, it kind of gets them explaining things in, you know, just these broad reaching terms, but then we get to kind of dive in our videos a little bit into the technical aspects as well, some of the visualizations that we'll put together, um, but still keeping it very engaging. Like we're able to kind of really make stuff pop on the screen for uh, OSIRIS-REx. I made like a VR experience where you're able to stand on the asteroid and look around and kind of experience what it'd be like to be on the surface of this, you know, other world outside of earth and, and seeing our spacecraft come down and collect a sample. Um, so doing stuff like that is always really, really crazy, really fun. Amazing. I'm wondering, you know, um... You work at NASA and, and uh, it sounds like you're maybe one of a couple of people who do this, but how widespread is uh, kind of this role in the industry of taking scientific data and uh, animating it for the purposes of uh, storytelling or whatnot or, or um, 
<laughs> I'm at a loss for yeah. words because it's too sciencey. How how yeah. widespread is this kind of role in the industry? I really think I've seen such a huge increase in this kind of storytelling recently, especially with a lot of the stuff you see on YouTube with different explainer videos or kind of these, you know, overhead videos of people kind of drawing on like a chalkboard or something and animating, you know, almost like some of the work that you were describing that you do, uh, some of the stop motion sketch.work. It's it's a, a way to kind of keep things visual, but still, you know, keep it educational and keep you learning, keep you hooked, keep you engaged. Um, and, you know, beyond NASA, I've noticed a lot of other companies doing this kind of work too. And, and just individual, you know, YouTubers or, or scientists trying to find new ways to explain their work and, and kind of exciting ways to the public, which has been awesome. Yeah, for sure. I'm wondering, I, you told me a couple of things before our chat, but can you share some uh, of the adventures you've gone on because of this career of yours that you've been pursuing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, I mean, I started, like I said, as a, as a geophysics major at Princeton for undergrad. And as part of that, we did a lot of trips to faraway lands to do uh, geological research. So I had the Far chance to... lands. <laughs> yeah. I mean, typically a lot of stuff I do is on the computer. Like, you know, I'm, I'm at my apartment now. I'm just like, you know, working on the computer. So it's cool to, to go in person to, you know, observe things. And I often get inspired, like I said, by nature and, and by seeing, you know, different, different environments. So one of the crazy things we did was um, we went to uh, Spain, the north of Spain, a place called Zumaya, which they actually filmed uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, one of the places there is in Zumaya, super cool looking cliffs, these like kind of rugged, uh, cliffs, and we were studying uh, mass extinction events in the rock record there. So I got a chance to kind of map some rocks and, and look at things uh, in three dimension uh, there with some of the stuff that we're doing to bring that back map, into our life. How do you map rocks? <laughs> yeah, so we have, there's a couple different techniques. You can do core samples uh, oftentimes to kind of look at the layers, the stratification of rocks and kind of see uh, over time how things have developed, how things have kind of gotten deposited. Uh, and that can tell you like a lot about the depositional environment that was there at the time. Like if something was like underwater, you'll see certain rocks present. If it was kind of like a dry arid climate, you'll see different rocks present. Um, we also have uh, something called a ground penetrating radar, which uh, on that same trip, we actually went to uh, the coast of France and there's this massive dune called the Dune de Pila that's there. And we took this thing, it almost looks like a baby stroller. And so you kind of like push this baby stroller with a, a radar on it. And as you're pushing it, it's basically sending radar pulses into the subsurface beneath you to map um, the layers below you. So in this case, we're looking at a dune and trying to see how well compacted it was, uh, how it was migrating over time too, because it actually has been over the years um, eating away at this forest that's there. So for kind of con conservational reasons, uh, the area is very interested in how this dune is moving, literally moving over time. So we kind of walk this dune. You know, I, I literally, I think, walked maybe 20, 30 miles uh, up and down this dune, just mapping it, massive dune uh, with the ground penetrating radar. And then we can bring that into our software and look at it three-dimensionally and see. Are you dying 30 miles? You just walked it was a miles? It was a, quite a workout. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I feel for Anakin in uh, Star Wars who hates <laughs> oh, sand. No. It's, like, it's like, yeah, sand <laughs> everywhere. sand now. <laughs> yeah, but I love sand in my renders. So it's so, so something. Right, like just I, not I in real life. You're like, let's, yeah. let's keep this online. <laughs> keep it contained to the computer. Yeah, That sounds so cool and incredible. That's amazing. And and yeah. like, even just the stuff that you're talking about with working with NASA, like, you know, I'm, I'm a big space fan too. And uh, I don't know, it just sounds really cool that you get to be so close to these projects. Yeah. And then just trying to bring that to the public too. Like, I think it's space is very exciting. It's kind of pretty easy. I feel like in general to get people excited about it, but yeah. there's, I guess, some more like niche stuff that we do too. Um, and, you know, just trying to keep it interesting, keep it engaging uh, for people. It's, it's always a fun challenge.
Of course. Amazing. So, you know, we've talked about where you came from, all the fun stuff that happened along the way, all the crazy stuff you're doing now. Is there anything else you wanted to share that you think people might be interested in hearing about from your career? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I've been sharing like a lot of stuff on, on YouTube, a lot of tutorials and things. And I really want people to not be intimidated by the software. I think it's very easy to, you know, start it up and quit it. And I actually, you know, number of years ago, I picked Blender up. I was like, this is too hard. I, I, I just can't do this and actually dropped it. And I, I ended up getting back into it. I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I stuck with it because I mean, it's opened so many doors up for me, uh, both just in terms of my career, but also just in my, in my life of being able to explain a lot of these kind of daydreams and stuff I have. So I just encourage you to stick with it and just, you know, it's very challenging. It's, yeah. it's, you know, pretty complex at times, but um, just a little bit each day, just trying to learn new things. And I feel like even still now that I'm, you know, a couple of years into my career, there's still so many new things that I can learn. Um, and that's what keeps it exciting. Of course, I'm wondering, you know, um, I find uh, CG programs very difficult to get over the hurdle of learning curve. What ended up pushing you when you gave up that first time, that second time, what, what pushed you a, over that hurdle to continue learning and making stuff? So I've been really into creating these kind of 2D composite designs in Photoshop, like making, you know, just a mash of images. Like I would take some photos of like my surroundings and then kind of do different things to, you know, kind of enhance the scenery or make it look kind of more magical. But I always found like there's like a limit and the limit was literally the dimension. It's just a 2D thing. Like I can't move my camera around and change the perspective. I can't change the lighting in my scene as much, you know, I can't like do as much with it. And I think I'd always just been like, man, it would just be so much better if I could do this in 3D and actually have the flexibility of moving my camera over five feet to the left, you know, mm -hmm. to, to create this different scene. And um, when I went back to 3D software, um, I think that was what kept me excited. I was like, I really want to create this. Like I, I had these scenes in mind. I'm like, I, I just I just need to learn. I just need to like sit down, tie myself to the chair and just like take the time to just literally just learn the software. And so I think that was the motivating factor for me was just that brute desire to just want to create this dang scene like it just it was so hard to conceptualize things in, in just 2d so adding in that extra dimension uh was so much, so much more exciting to me that makes um, sense that you had yeah. this this goal that you just couldn't push yourself past because of the limitations that makes a lot of sense you yeah. ate your vegetables that's what it sounds like that's right exactly <laughs> well james well did you have anything else you wanted to share as we're wrapping up um, just wanted to thank you so much for bringing me on. I mean, this is always so awesome to just talk through this stuff. And I always love, you know, hearing the process of other animators and, and people in this field too. It's always exciting to kind of hear people's different approaches, different paths to the career and uh, yeah, just yeah. so many different ways that can involve with this. You know, it's, it's yeah, awesome. well, I found it super insightful to hear kind of the behind the scenes of how you make all your crazy renders and the stuff you're doing at NASA, et cetera. So thank you so much for coming on the chat. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And if you're listening and you want to follow or reach out to James or check out his tutorials or his Domestica course or all that stuff, I'm going to include a bunch of links, including his uh, website, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, et cetera, in the description of the chat. So please check those out. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.